0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro.
1: Where we last left our hero, Yaakov had left Levan's house. He's heading back homewards, uh, as you may remember. He didn't exactly leave on the best of terms. He he stole a bracha and ran, um, and so we're we're left with this question of of kind of what next? That's where that parsha ends. We know he's leaving, um, and we don't know what lies ahead. Um, there is a good amount of description at the beginning of the parsha of how Yaakov is preparing to. Um, meet Asav once again. He sends uh, ahead um, messengers to let him know that he's on his way. We hear that Yaakov is is quite frightened. Um, he's scared. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's afraid that there's going to be an attack. Um, he prays. Um, and he he sends ahead gifts to Asav, which is which is interesting. Um, if if you think about he he, sort of took something from him before and now he's sending him something in advance of his arrival to appease or to um, sort of try to pave the way for some sort of reconciliation. We get a nice long list of uh, biblical livestock, which is always fun. Not only 200 she goats, but also 20 he goats. Um, and he uh, says, um, bless you, Rabbi.
2: Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Um and so all of this is paving the way for the, for this, um, for, for this encounter um, in which he really doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, he also, he divides, um, he, 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 it's interesting how he um, brings everybody across, right? He sent, he sends his possessions ahead, and then he's, he's left alone. He's all by himself, which is, when you think about the context, just an interesting kind of situation in and of itself, right, that, that he's all he's all alone. He's nervous about what's going to happen next. And he says, all right, everybody, uh, I'm going to go take a little uh, walk about you guys hang out here. We'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Um, but he's alone. Right. Everyone is across the stream. Right. He is sent across all of his possessions and he's he's there by himself. Obviously, the, the sense of everything else being across, but him still on one other side is rich with rich with symbolism. Uh, interesting image to be working with. You probably know this scene quite well. He was left alone. He wrestles with a man. Um, he no nobody's winning. Right. They're they're sort of going back and forth. Um Yaakov's hip is wrenched at its socket, um, and the the person, the, there's a lot of pronouns without a lot of proper names in this scene, which is always very interesting, but it seems like this other man, angel, divine being is asking to go before dawn is breaking. He wants a blessing. Um, he says, My name is Jacob, your name shall no longer be Jacob, right? You have wrestled with beings divine and human, and you have been able, you have prevailed. Yaakov in turn does not get to hear this being's name, and he he and he leaves. And that that brings us to the verses that we're going to be focusing in on today, as I zoom in a bit. So we're going to be looking at these two verses uh, from chapter 32, verses 31 and 32. Vayikra Yaakov shem hamakom Yaakov called the name of the place Peniel. Ki ra'iti Elohim Panim El Panim Nafshiv. For I have seen... Elohim, I have seen, as it's translated here, a divine being face to face. Yet my life has been saved, preserved. Right? I, I didn't. I didn't die. I didn't. I didn't perish from the encounter. Byizrach lo hashemesh, translated here, the sun rose upon him, which is which is interesting. Um when you look at it in the Hebrew, you could see you could see it as the sun rose for him, which some of the commentators play with a bit. Kasher Avar et Penuel, when he passed Penuel, um to foreground something as well. You you can notice the place is called something different in each of those two verses, right? In verse thirty one it's Peniel, and in verse thirty two it's penuel. That's, that's sort of that's three quarters of a cushia for you right there. The who Toleya al Irefo and he's and he's limping upon his hip so th- those are the two that we're going to focus in on sort of in this interstitial moment after the encounter itself before moving forward into the um encounter with Asav, we're going to hold in sort of this transitional moment today and explore what questions come up for us what we might learn from it um etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: all right any questions about verses 31 and 32 or things that you are noticing, yeah. Um, is there
3: a connection between uh, Jacob's seeing the divine face to face and the limping on his hip? I, I saw his life is preserved, but maybe the the life is preserved, yet the physical implication is that he develops a
2: limp. Great, great, yeah. Interesting that that we're we're noticing two different. Kind of physical characteristics, one that he saw a face and the other one that his hip has been somehow disjointed, and what do the two have to do with one another, or why are they somehow connected in in the same in the same occurrence nancy
0: well, how was he so sure that he had seen Elohim
2: great, great um I'm just gonna say great, because that was my pushy on. that's what I focus most on. <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Karen. Um,
4: when he sees the divine face and yeah. lives. I'm thinking of Moses and God who says, Don't look at me, you'll die. How come he gets to live, Jake? Yeah, right.
2: How come he's how come he's so sure, first of all, that he's seen God's face. Um, to add on to Nancy's point, and I'm really glad that Rabbi Shapiro didn't stop to comment on this, we don't actually hear that he's seeing God face to face, right? This is just Jacob's understanding of that moment. But everything that comes before this in the story with him being turned into Israel is just that he wrestles with a thing, right? It could be an angel, it could be a guy, what, whatever. And initially,
1: it's and it initially says "ish," right?
2: Right, but right. there's no, there's no talk of like seeing a person's face.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I'm just adding another noun into the mix for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, Rachel Cohn, who's our our first year intern, taught on this last week the the wrestle part of the of the parsha uh, during Suddashli Sheet, and she said to people. Um, you know what are your what are your wonderings about this wrestling moment? And I raised my hand and I said, the thing I've always been curious about is why are the rabbis so convinced that it can't just be a guy? Like why do they have to make it into an angel or into God or into whoever? Why can't we just use the word ish, as Rabbi Shapiro just pointed out for us, and just assume that he wrestled with another? person, right? The rabbis are so uncomfortable with that. And it could be because of this point here where it says that he saw God's face face to face that, you know, if Jacob is considering that a moment where he saw God's face, that maybe um, we should read back into that ish that it was that it was, in fact, God.
1: Oh, the Hasidut piece is going to be so great for that. Oh, it's going to be fantastic.
2: Okay,
0: Denise. (laughs) Okay, so um, I was confused about the blessing because because the blessing that he gets basically tells him what already happened. So, like, why is that a blessing? You know what I mean? Like, a blessing should be, like, I hope something happens to you in the future, or in the future you will have this and this. You'll be like the stars and the sand and whatever. But this says, here's what just happened. Well, but why is that a blessing? Like, I could say, here's what just happened, too.
2: Interesting. Are you- Go ahead, Rabbi Shabir. Oh, I thought you were listening something. Um, are you referring to the blessing that happens before this, before these verses? Um, I don't know. Okay, I'm
1: referring to, I'm, <laughs> I'm referring to
0: I'm, I'm, at the end of this, but I'm I'm doing this on my phone, so it's hard for me to push it out and pull it in no properly. But it sounds like at the it says um that he uh, that that Jacob asks him for a blessing, right?
2: Yes. Okay. Great. I, I just and then, the,
0: and then and then the the guy, the angel, whoever it is, says you will now be called Israel because you struggled and you prevailed, etc. But yeah, but that happened already. It would have been a blessing if you told him before.
2: Great. Great. I just wasn't sure what blessing you were referring to. So okay. Yes. Now I know what you're talking about. And yeah, you're right. I think it's it's a really beautiful way of thinking about blessing. Right? Is is a blessing something that is. That is given to us upon experience, or as a blessing given to us to to push us towards the future. Um, and it's a that's a very as a fascinating way of thinking about different kinds of blessings in our lives. Um, and interesting that maybe that blessing pushed him to these verses here that we're actually um, talking about today. That maybe that blessing allowed for him to feel as though there was something else coming. So that's a really great a really great point um, and a perceptive point. Yeah, Barbara, you. Hide
3: your hand up. <clears throat> I don't understand. Maybe Matt said something and maybe I missed it. Peniel and Penuel. I mean, they're yeah. just distinct spellings in Hebrew. They're not, it's, it's not just sayings differently, but they're spelled totally differently. Yeah. The rabbit- that. And, and where did the name Peniel or Penuel come from?
2: Great. So the rabbis comment on this a lot. Um, and the one of the things that you'll notice, and I actually think that, um, that I heard this potentially from Rabbi Lucas, who loved to talk about letters and big letters, um, that peniel, right, has a yud, and if there was a slip of hand when writing, it could have just become penuel. Um, that's one just very easy, Understanding because the yod can very easily become a vav which is what happens here, um and that the vowels would be the same, so that's one that's one way of understanding it, but the rabbis also there's many Midrash that go into maybe it wasn't the same place, maybe the place had changed, maybe Jacob named the place different after he recognized that he had actually seen God because before, as I mentioned there wasn't a mention of God. It was just a guy. So now that he recognizes that it was God, he names the place a different thing. So all of those are reasons. We don't actually know the answer, but those are all things that our rabbis bring up for us. That's a great question. Uh, Yeah, Rebecca.
5: Um, So I, looking at this at the, at uh, 31, um, about the name Peniel or Penuel, I was wondering if what the what the stranger who who wrestled with him said was you know in their in his blessing was um you've you've struggled with God and with people and you've you know and you and you won um not necessarily that he was the angel of God or the representative of God, just saying this is who you are, mm-hmm. and therefore, as a reminder, Jacob took that and called the place sort of where, you know, Pinuel or Pineo. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing is just looking at the, the sentence right before. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that is, I don't understand is why the stranger says, don't ask me my name. You know, why is he to remain a stranger? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing about that later. There's no okay. <laughs> And the other thing is that he uses the same word, and I'm wondering if the whole, that he uses it earlier, you know, bless me, but maybe it's more of a, you can say, or just just say, let's part, you know, in a polite way. So we just don't just walk off, but we say goodbye. So rather than being, you know, a, a full bone, you know, blessing from God that it's just a, you know, let's bless each other. Goodbye. And good day and move on.
2: So maybe it's
5: not as loaded as, you know,
2: yeah. Maybe it's just him saying like, have nice manners. <laughs> Let me go in, in a way that, you know, at least feels as though we've had a moment and now we're departing from that moment. Um, I loved I loved how you described that Peniel piece. And Barbara asked, and I realized that, that I hadn't answered this based on what you said, Rebecca. Barbara asked, what does Peniel mean? So it, it could mean the face of God. Um, one of our friends and colleagues, Rabbi Jonathan Bubis, actually ended up he named his child Peniel, um because there's also the idea that Panim, right, which is a face, could also be the same as the word Bifnim, which is to be within yourself. So God is not only on your face, but is within you. Um And Rebecca, you made me think of that when you, when you shared your beautiful interpretation of it as well. So that Penuel is I guess would just be a form of what "peniel" means. I'm not sure that it would have a different kind of meaning, um, but it would be maybe. And, but.
1: And, and interestingly, concordance time. It seems like in the places where th- this seems to be, and and. Bonnie is now my fact checker. So, Bonnie, this is your homework for this week. Um, it's It seems like this is the only place that Pen- Peniel actually appears in the Tanakh. Yeah. It seems like Penuel appears a couple of other times. It shows yeah. up in Shofim. It shows up a little bit later on. But yeah. this seems to be the only place that Peniel actually shows up, um, which, 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 is inter- right? which is just interesting. Stom, right? And, and also interesting in that I guess Rabbi Shatz saw a couple of different things. I actually didn't see a ton on that. The one piece that I saw on that was basically Radak saying, ah, peniel, penuel, it's all the same, which like, you know, for, <laughs> for, 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 for a, you know, a tradition of text that like every single you know, dot in the Torah has a meaning to say like, ah, Yud Vav, who's to say? Um, does, does not uh, hold much water for me. Um, <laughs> but I'm a what can what can I say?
2: That's awesome. I did not I actually didn't see that one. But yeah, if you there are a bunch of commentaries on verse thirty two where it says Penuel, because the rabbis were like, wait a second, we just heard that it was called Peniel. Why all of a sudden are we changing the name? So uh Bonnie, you had your hand up.
4: Yeah, I was just gonna ask about those if those two words or either of them are elsewhere and is actually a place that is connoted somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I Rabbi Shapiro mentioned Shof team. I think there was one other um place in prophets. I noticed it earlier and I said someone's gonna ask this and I'm not gonna remember. It was either Ezekiel or Isaiah. I can look again, um, that Penuel is also mentioned. So Just Penuel. Okay.
1: I see it I see it in Judges, I see it mentioned once in Kings and twice in Chronicles.
2: Okay. So those are the places. Um, as I mentioned yesterday, for those of you who are with me for Midrashah, as I mentioned, you know, there a lot of what happens in the prophets is also using things that have happened in Torah and bringing them in different ways into, into moments of the prophets. It's why our Haftorah is so beautifully connected at times to our Torah readings. So it's possible also that they use Panuel because that was the part of the text that they were looking at to connect. <clears throat> excuse me so but yeah i mean it's interesting that that that, that seemed to stay in penny l did not um for whatever for whatever reason any other cushy okay um so ravish if you'll stop sharing the, your screen
4: a yeah, wait yeah go ahead uh, so i was just thinking what did my yeah um so he's limping do we hear about his limping at any other time or this is the only place that he limps? Or does he continue a limp throughout his life in any way? Is it noted?
2: Yeah, so there's um when we get to this second verse to verse thirty two and it talks about the sun rising on him or for him, a lot of rabbis commentaries are actually about that 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 the limp seems to stop after this moment and how maybe the sun rising somehow healed him or allowed him to recognize it and do away with it, um, but that he seems to... There's, there seems to be some kind of a connection between the sun rising and his limp going away. Obviously, we don't know if he actually no longer limped or if it just became a thing that was part of him and so no one paid attention. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the show ER. Um, When I was, when ER came out, I was too young to watch the show. So I've been watching it and I've enjoyed it tremendously. And I'm at a part in the show where one of the characters who's always walked with a limp, just had surgery and now no longer walks with her crutch. Um, And she talks about how it's so much a part of her that she had this crutch that actually, kind of the reverse of Jacob here, that that people aren't going to recognize her without that ailment, that maybe with Jacob's story, the reason that it's no longer mentioned is because people start to just recognize that's who he is. And he takes it on as kind of a characteristic. So we don't hear of it again, as far as I can um, tell and remember. But it's possible that, that that's just because it became part of who he was. Um, yeah, Barbara, and then we'll Rabbi Shapiro will share some stuff.
3: I, I was looking at the notes in and um, in Chaim
2: Yeah,
3: about the limp. Yeah, and 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 the way we eat now in a kosher yeah. as far as kosher Kashri is concerned. Yeah. And I always thought that if you remove the nerve that that made the meat kosher. But according to Eskayim, for Ashkenazim, that's not true. You're not supposed to eat it even if the nerve is removed. Right. Whereas I understand in Israel that they remove the meat and sell it as kosher. Whereas the Sephardim, removing the nerve, makes the meat kosher. That's Eskayim.
2: I've never. I've always tried to eat it, so I've, I've never heard any of that. That's very interesting. Well, specifically,
3: it says the biblical verse underlies the requirement in kosher slaughter that the sciatic nerve be extracted, Sephardic practice, or that the entire hind quarter of the animal be considered unfit for consumption for Jews, Ashkenazic pet practice. And yeah. I always thought, even for Ashkenaz, that removing the, uh, the nerve made it kosher. And as I said, I heard that in Israel that they remove the nerve and people eat it. Am I wrong?
2: I don't know. I don't sure. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I would have to look into that. I mean, I I remember studying kashrut in rabbinical school and shechting and all of that, and and knowing that you couldn't you couldn't eat it. But I don't remember hearing any kinds of considerations for how you could get around that. That's very interesting.
4: Huh. I've heard that for years and years. That you can cut around it. Yeah,
2: that and, it's you, very you, common practice. <laughs> Interesting, I I great. I'll have to look into it. I don't Apparently know that makes it kosher according
3: to Tzchayim for the Sephardim, but not for us, yeah. since I think everybody on here is. Oh, oh no, uh, Denise made uh, Denise is Sephardim, I believe. No, you, you're, no, Denise, I just you're Ashkenaz, because your <laughs> yeah. family came from Europe. I mean, yeah. this is
2: in terms of halacha, and then we can turn this back over to the topic, but, um, in terms of halacha, when we think of Sephardic versus Ashkenazi in the Shulchan Aruch, like in the book of the code of law that we have, it mentions both. And very often Ashkenazim go by the Ashkenazi practice, unless the Sephardic practice is one that has seeped into their practice. So because it's all in the same book, it's not like we're, we're reading from different, um, areas of study there are moments i mean kidney oat is like a classic example because kidney oat is something that didn't make sense for ashkenazim based on what they, where they were living but if you look in our code of law it actually doesn't say anything about how ashkenazim can't eat it it's just that it didn't make sense for them to so that's how the whole discussion of kidney oat can you can't you came up so it's possible that even though it's a sephardic custom that ashkenazim have begun to um to take it on because it makes sense for their life, but again, I'll, I would have to look into it. I I don't know enough about that that part of um of law of kashrut.
0: So interestingly, Chabad says that you can do it. It's just that almost nobody is is uh, skilled enough to take out the
2: right. So I was I was actually
0: it's Chabad, which is pretty funny. Awesome.
2: I was thinking to say I was thinking that that might be the reason when I was studying at the Siwa at the Conservative Shiva. Um, and then we're really going to get back to the topic. When I was studying the Kasari Yeshiva, we had to watch, I don't remember why, we had to watch a video of animals being shechted, um, which was not fun. I didn't enjoy it. And one of the, one of the pieces of shechting is that it has to be done in a very meticulous way. And so if you can't do it in the way that it needs to be done for it to be proper, then you don't do it at all. So this could be one of those cases that like it's so hard to do or it, it's hard to know if you've done it correctly that we just don't do it. But maybe in Israel, there's a way to do it that they have better than we do. I don't know, anyway. Okay, Rabbi Shapiro, we're talking about Brashit and we're talking, about, <laughs> we're talking about this moment in our Parsha and I would love to hear if you have anything to share with us. That you might may or may not be excited about. Who is to tell?
1: Oh, uh, thanks so much. You're so welcome. Um, <clears throat> where's the book? Uh, there's this. There there's a two volume set that that I really enjoy. If you've ever seen me lead services for any number of times, you probably heard me or or seen me hold this book up at some point. Um, it's a collection of Hasidic teachings compiled by. Uh, Arthur Green. It's called Speaking Torah. It is it is excellent. He goes through parsha by parsha, and he is, has stuff from Chagim. Uh, he includes the original teaching. He includes the translation. It's really really excellent. Um, I, did, I did not I did not translate the text myself. Credit where it's due. This is Arthur Green's translation, and and he found the source. Um, but it just so happened, I, I didn't rig the game at all, uh, that the the verses that Rabbi Shatz and I taught, th- there's a teaching from Ora Hamma'ir, Reb Zevwolf of Zotomir, um, on on one of our verses. Um, and, and I, I think it's really cool, I think it's really interesting to explore a bit, and it gets into at least a little bit um one of the kushiot that was raised. Um, because what what he explores a little bit in this is this question of Pine and like who who's to say um who the wrestling was with and what does that mean, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, cetera. Uh, a kushia that oh who can hear Rafi screaming? I can. Um uh one of the things that that wasn't named when we were going through our verses, um, it is interesting to note as well that Yaakov has just had his name changed, and yet in the verses he's still referred to as Yaakov. Right. He, he if you look back, he's still Yaakov, the, the sort of narrator is calling him by his old name. He's not yet being referred to as um, Israel, which is also interesting to notice. Right. Every
2: year um, when we get to this part of the Torah every single year, I yeah. think about doing some kind of project oh. where you I keep track between now and when he dies or is is stopped being referred to of where he's called Jacob and where he's called Israel. Because I I think that there are reasons behind why he's called those two different things, whether it's a relational reason or the person that's being spoken to. Anyway, I'm just putting that out there because ah, the out there, Rabbi. Makes-
1: of course, there's a reason. Of course, there's a reason, and okay. it's not too late, Rabbi Shat. You can still get cracking on that project. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, what what the Or ear starts off by talking about. Um, and I'll, I'll sort of fast forward a little bit through the first part of the teaching. Is he talks about how um, we know this from the etymology of Yaakov's name. That Echav is heal, right? Echav is heal, um, and he talks about how Yud, right, one of the one of the letters in God's holiest name, can can be seen as wisdom, and heal is something very earthly. So the name Yaakov contains within it the connection of something very holy and something very earthly. So, so, in this case, that name is Sheffs' comment being used very deliberately to indicate that within this verse there's something happening that is um related to that thematically, and he gets into this a little bit um so the so the teaching the translation of the teaching starts off continues um whatever you see or hear, even ordinary conversations between people. As well as whatever happens to you in the course of time, so anything and everything, becomes a place where you can find the shining presence, the face of God. Penel. So that that's where he's starting from. He's saying in every interaction, in every moment, it's actually possible to find that face of God. So he he's, he's starting out by inverting it in some way. He's saying it's actually always possible. Right, it's not. It's not just in this big, um, major transitional moment in in this person's life that it that you can find the face of God. It's always possible. The fa- this face of the most supreme God, as it is cloaked in that particular place, reveals itself to the tzaddik. So here he's he's saying Jacob, right in this case, so that he can raise up from their shrinas limbs, which are called. Nefesh. I'm I'm gonna screen share again because he is getting into a little bit of, of real analysis of the verse. Does that make sense? Rabbi Schatz is, is smirking a little bit at me. I just, I, I,
2: yes, I need the visual. I've lost you it. You need
1: the visual. Okay. You're probably not the only one. Great. So here, so so if you look at, at the verse, um right, so if you're thinking about this sense that um God can be found in everything. Um, and he's, he's then saying, this is revealed to the tzaddik. It's not just revealed to anybody and everybody. This is often a key concept in Hasidut, that tzaddik is, is a very special elevated person. But for the tzaddik, um, the tzaddik then, and it's a to he, because in classic Hasidic texts, it's always a he, not, not the most gender balanced school of thought originally, though Neo-Hasidut is making some inroads there, but, um, that God's presence is revealed to the tzaddik, and then that Sadiq raises up nefesh. so if you look at the end of verse thirty one there right you can kind of see where he 's going by by naming that as something that can be raised up i 'm um, going to share the second paragraph. we might have to go back and review this a little bit, but I want to show you guys where he 's going um, and he said, this is the meaning of our verse, and now he 's going to keep, and i 'll lay that a little bit. Jacob, the person who is whole or perfect, kind of a leap there if you think about the course of his life, but we'll go with it. Jacob, the person who is whole or perfect, links the upper wisdom to the lower, right? So there's the Yud, and then there's the Ekev, right? Ya'akov. So because that's his name, he has that that full integration. Such a person's awareness becomes so clear that any particular place or event uh, only reflects a face of God in one specific configuration or another. If and when you are a tzaddik, anywhere and everywhere you look, it's just God, 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 right? Every single encounter you have, every single moment you have, there's there's God, there's holiness, there's that ultimate connection um, everywhere you look. So this is, I have seen God face to face. That's the ki ra'iti elohim panim al el panim. In that moment he's saying yeah i 'm tzaddi. of course i 'm seeing god <laughs> of course i 'm seeing God everywhere I look. I have come to understand that God is cloaked in multiple faces throughout the lower rungs so again it's it, it's interesting what the Yer is doing here in that he 's saying in this moment, this encounter has sort of." not been a moment of ultimate elevation where Yaakov has had like a real divine revelation. He's actually just looking around him and seeing how he sees God everywhere. Um, all of this is conceived in accord with each Tzadik's own face and the strength of his awareness. So where there is a personal element. And then in this last Midrashic bit, this is my life has been spared. Vatina tzel nafshi, as Srinat is raised up to her exalted place. So I'll, I'll feed this back in, right? Sort of how the ear would understand this verse. He would say, right? Kiraiti Elohim Panim Al Panim Yaakov is saying, I'm now seeing the face of God everywhere around me, right? I'm seeing that everywhere. And through that, the Nafshi, and through that, I'm elevating that aspect of God through my seeing of that. It's not that my life was saved by virtue of how I'm seeing things. um, I'm elevating a specific aspect of God. Full disclosure. This is probably not the shot of the verse, right? This is probably not the simple meaning of what the verse is saying. I love the Hasidic like sort of deep dives into the midrash of a verse. It's just something I really enjoy. I think there's interesting concepts to play with there. Um, I'll say one more piece and then I'll pause. But, but, Extrapolating out from there, I think there 's a really lovely aspirational message that you can get from that, which is that you you don 't have to wait for the big moment to see holiness in your life right you don 't have to wait for the major life cycle event you don 't have to wait for um, that a moment of reunion with family where i 'm thinking about that, and my parents have a trip scheduled out to see us and in about three months time, two and a half months, and we're hoping it'll work. And I'm really looking forward to that moment or a bar mitzvah or a wedding, right? You might think about like those big moments as a time when you experience holiness. And the Orhamir is saying, you can actually see that all around you all the time. Um, and I think for me, particularly these days, I think that's a really powerful and important message, right? That it doesn't need to be only in a specific context or only in like a major life moment. Um, This has been Matt Shapiro dorking out on Chassidut for 10 minutes. Thanks for joining this part of our program. Uh, Happy to discuss further answer questions folks have them or immediately fast forward onto something else. If folks didn't find that interesting. Yes, Bonnie.
4: Yeah. So when you were talking that, but you had said that they see it as just the tzadikim team that can do that. And so while you were speaking, I was thinking to myself that, no, i mean even when i was teaching the little ones in the first grade we talked about all the parts of life that that show us god whether it's a butterfly or the ocean or
1: right hashem parents. is here hashem is there hashem yeah, is julia right.
4: so you know i fully go along with that but i don't know whether the wrestling and the age i mean that was a whole different scenario there that makes it somewhat
2: right i was i was thinking exactly the same thing uh And that was actually my, like my struggle with this text would be, I don't want it to just be the sadikim. I want it to be that everybody could feel this way. But I at least what I think could be a way out of that is that in last week's Parsha, we hear that Jacob is in a place. And for the first moment, he recognizes that God too is there. And so maybe that's the way in for all of us to realize that, you don't have to just be, you don't have to think of yourself as a tzaddik, that it's actually the reverse, that if you see God in all these places, you then are a tzaddik, right? It's not that, oh, we understand this person to be, you know, a tzaddik in, in the ways that that our Hasidic masters are are defining it, but rather that if we see God in all of these places, that we too are righteous, um, are righteous and holy beings. And even the panim el panim, it shows it shows a kind of surprise or a kind of intimacy that Jacob didn't even expect with God that all of a sudden now he's having. Um, and again, maybe that just that just teaches us exactly what Rabbi Shapiro said, which is we just need to look out for it and imagine that it's there. Um, and that's what makes us the Kim.
1: And, and I'm a, I'm a big Hasidut democratizer, right? Like, I, I think there are, there are some ways in which some of these texts can be geared towards the spiritual elite. Um, you, you will often get very kind of like chauvinistic towards Judaism aspects, right? In certain Hasidut texts, like sort of putting down people who aren't Jewish in some pretty aggressive ways, not the most gender balanced texts, right? Like, th- there are certain ways in which I think we can knowingly and meaningfully, right, expand out um, Hasidic texts into a broader sense of who could be included and who could learn from it. I- I'm also okay with saying I will, I will be the first, second, and third, maybe even fourth person to tell you, I am not a tzadik. Uh, that is not me. I would not describe myself in that way. I don't see that, right, everywhere I look. It's, it's just not the level of awareness I have, and I don't see it being that way anytime soon. And there are moments Right. There are moments in the everyday when I can get that with my kids, with my wife out in nature, just sitting and breathing. Right. There there can be those moments, those little winks, those little glimpses. And, and I can't be there all the time, but it, it also doesn't have to be black or white. You know, and I think, Bonnie, to your point in terms of like talking with kids about like where where do you see God? It's a question that we can also ask ourselves right like when when and where do I have that moment, and in that moment experiencing that and experiencing some sense of elevation um it's it's aspirational to be sure um and, and a powerful question I think and i and I, and and for me, what's appealing about the text is um it invites and encourages us to ask that question, and I think that that's a powerful thing
2: Rebecca, I had a question for you about the
1: source does Oh, I'm reading it out of the chat. Says, Does this Hasidic source also talk about limp. The, hmm?
2: the... limp, limp, limp.
1: Oh, the limp. I'm like, what's a limo? <laughs> uh, no, nope. uh, okay. Um, chat has its limitations. Um, I I only have an excerpt of the text, um, right? I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell from the way um, it, it's printed in the book is if it's an excerpt of a larger text or if it's sort of, a whole piece in and of itself it doesn't seem like he gets into talking about the limp from what i've seen Why rebecca what what's what's what, there's something underneath that question and i'd be curious I'm to just, hear it
5: well the whole the well their discussion is so um centered around how we see god in you know how you can see god everywhere and so on and so what is what's the point of the limp which is like a a a um you know, a, a part of your body that now is not functioning. How does that relate to that whole story? I mean, I don't even understand why it's so important that he limps. So, and then it becomes so significant to be part of uh, how we're supposed to eat. So I was kind of hoping that that would give some sort of not being whole, despite seeing God everywhere or something, you know.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it goes back to Elon's question at the beginning as well, in terms of, is, is that sort of immediacy of encounter with the divine? Does it, does it impact his physicality, right? Elon, is that, was that you were asking that question towards the beginning, right? Um, Which I think Rebecca ties into something that you're speaking to as well, right? So there's this moment of wholeness, but he's limping and it impacts how we eat. But is that also then, so we should remember that, or is it prohibitive, right? Like what what's going on there? There might be some value tensions going on there um, in an interesting way. It's not named in the text, but it's, it's fascinating to keep playing with a little bit, I think. Yeah, Denise.
0: So I have this planner on my desk and on the bottom, there's this proverb. It says like each week there's a thought for the week. It just so happens for this week, I'm looking at it and it says, the obstacle is the path. And so then, it, and in the context of this class and what we're talking about, it's making me think, okay, so we have all these weird pieces that are like the obstacle to understanding of he gets this blessing, but it's after the fact and he's limping and he saw God, but then he doesn't limp again. And I'm like, what is this? And when is he called Israel? And when is he called Yaakov? But then we're called B'nai Israel, right? We're called, like, as the Jewish people, we're often called B'nai Israel. um And so it just it was so clear a second ago, but um, I'm just wondering if if like the blessing was not a blessing for what just happened, but a blessing for like way down the road, you know, you're going to limp and you're going to have a hard time and and have problems with people, but you're going to make it. You're going to prevail and still be alive and see the blessing in that and keep going, because that's so much the essence of the Jewish experience in the world. And so like when we say B'nai Yisrael, like maybe that's you know kind of the heritage and the blessing that we're linking into because that's the whole story of the Jewish people.
1: Yeah, I mean there I think there there's a lot in there. I mean the 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 broader question of how we identify as ben Yisrael and what that says to us uh says about us rather as as a people in the world, you know, we're we're god wrestlers, we wrestle things out, we don't just take things as as they are. We we sort of embrace them and tackle them and try to figure out how to navigate things. That that's certainly um a a rich topic. The 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 phrase on the planner is an interesting. What was it? The the obst the obstacle is the path? Was that it?
0: Yeah. And it's just attributed to proverb. Like a lot of them have like a person, but this one doesn't.
1: By so, A nani mouse. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it it's interesting and I'll sort of refract it back through. Um, you know, the, yeah, Yaakov certainly doesn't have an easy road of it, and he does. I mean, I, the reason I don't like, you know, the sense, of the sort of over sadicification of some of the, um, the, you know, the avot, right? Like Yaakov wasn't always a tzaddik. And I don't think it's blasphemous to say that. Read the book. Um, But I think it's more powerful when we see the trajectory that some of these ancestors of ours go on, because I do think he learns as he goes. Um, And I think that that's a much more powerful um, narrative to be holding. Um, in terms of seeing all the obstacles that he has to work through and grow from, and still in some ways not, right? Like, think about all the tsarists that came about because of the favoritism in his family, and he still goes and does it himself with Yosef, right? Like, there are lessons that he doesn't learn, and, th- and there are things that we can learn from him not learning the lessons, right? Um, and so in that way, you know, Denise extrapolating out even more broadly the obstacles that have been facing our path for all of us, Um I am. Thanks for sharing that. It's interesting.
2: Um, so, with nine minutes left, I'm going to share one piece.
1: <laughs> is it a Hasidic text? Because otherwise.
2: It is not Hasidic. Um, so, one of my favorite lines from any musical, um, this one happens to be from Les Miserables, is to love another person is to see the face of God. And I thought of this when I read the verse because. I think that the idea of seeing the face of God is obviously not one that we often think about because we don't personify God in that way, but often we think about how if you're looking at a person, back to, you know, Brachy, the Parsha, um, in terms of being made in the image of God, that it's a very profound statement that if you love somebody... That and and it doesn't have to be in in the musical. It's romantic love. But if if you love someone who's in your family or you just care about somebody, then hopefully you see godly aspects of them in in just seeing them and just being in their presence.
1: So I actually don't think it's to to push you on your lame is. I actually don't think it's romantic love because it's what Valjean says when he's dying. Spoiler alert. That's true. But- um, spoiler alert for a musical <laughs> that's been out for decades and <laughs> a book that was written centuries that's,
2: ago. That's a good point. It is It is for him to his daughter. So in that point, you're right. It's it's familial. Um, But I think that often it's, it's heard as or imagined, maybe not in the context of the musical, but the idea of seeing, of loving another person and then being able to kind of understand all of them is... Um, um, is often seen in a romantic in a romantic way. Radak, and I'll share my screen because as we all learned in Rabbi Shapiro sharing his screen for us, I need to see it. Um, so Radak comments on this idea of Panim El Panim by saying According to one of the commentaries which we quoted, which he quoted above, the the angel had assumed human form. This experience was something new for Yaakov. For the first time, he had seen a divine being face-to-face while being awake. Adding to this the fact that this angel had twisted his hip joint out of shape and he had survived this, he was amazed that he had survived such an encounter. This is why he used the expression panim el panim, he added the words so the reason that i think this is such a powerful um commentary is because as i mentioned earlier there's no there's no recon- there's no um assuming i should say that that panim el panim was a part of the interaction earlier with the with the wrestling that obviously when you're wrestling someone you probably can see them um but there's no mention of panim el panim and that what Radak is saying here is that Jacob adds that. Um, oh, it's not. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Well, what I'm going to say is that I think that the the idea here, Rashi is going to correct me about something. Um, what I what I see here is that Jacob is noticing for the first time that you actually can see God. In these moments that are not particularly godly moments, right? The, the, the taking out of his hip, right? The making him uncomfortable. The moment of wrestling with something. Those aren't moments that we would imagine God being part of. But to go back to the line from Les Mis, if you have a strong relationship with somebody, hopefully you're seeing God in all of those moments, right? And, and I didn't know the Hasidic text before we just learned it with Rabbi Shapiro, but it does go to, to that as well, that, that Jacob may have for this first time understood that panim el panim meant that God was availing God's self to Jacob in a new and distinct way that was adding to their relationship, which he had never had with him before. I think that the, the, the mention of sunlight, right, of him being seen in light as opposed to darkness, is also interesting because the last time that Jacob interacted with a godly being was in a dream at night, so this all it seems to be that that Jacob is having these new opportunities of bringing God into the moment that he is that he's experiencing, and that they are that they're they're awesome right they're full of awe for him that he has this connection with God in this way. Yes, I can reshow
1: to, my screen. To, Rabbi shouts to to your point, the, the the reason it said he added those words is because there's a, there's a second part to Radach's commentary in the verse there. Um, like it goes on to say, he added the words, but but he he makes the point that you're making just just he keeps going a little bit from what I saw, because he says he added the words, can I tell nefshi? Because this is a statement that Yaakov didn't make on other occasions when he had other visions, right? So it, it actually is doing exactly what you're saying it does in terms of this is sort of a new layer of relationship in terms of what's unfolding here, right? Which I think is part of what you're talking about.
2: I'll let Rav Shapiro wrap up since he was the one who <laughs> who added the most to the conversation. Um, but, but yeah, I, I hope that based on, based on my questions and the questions that um, that I still have about this text, I just, I hope that we all have opportunities for panim al panim um, and seeing the way in which we recognize moments of facing God uh, in our interactions with other people and um, whether or not we call a place Peniel that we have those moments uh of wonder with god, so rabbi Shabir
1: no i i mean i think I think that lines up beautifully with with uh the Hasidic text that I was uh savoring, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to savor with y'all right i think it's it's uh it's an inspiration and it's a charge, and it's a challenge to see that all around us I was, I'll, Not to put too fine a point on it, but, but especially these days, it's, it's still tough times folks, right? Like we are there. It seems like there's some light at the end of the tunnel and, and that's a blessing. Um, But these next weeks are not going to be easy. Um, I'm feeling that I'd imagine others are as well. Um, And so the charge to try to see holiness and godliness all around us. um, It's not necessarily an easy thing to do these days. Uh, to channel another one of my heroes uh as mr roger says look for, look for the helpers right but in our in our everyday encounters with the people in our lives who we might be spending a little more time with than we usually do uh you know and and all of that and all the ways that life can be challenging right now i think it's it's uh an important charge to try to see um that godliness all around us even and especially for those of us who aren't yet uh but but we can all work on that. You
0: have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tba org.